Hey everyone, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, one of your other hosts. What we normally do is we examine a scene by scene, um, we examine the Marvel Cinematic Universe scene by scene in historical order until the end of time. But However, today, yeah. <laughs> today, James, uh-huh. ooh, we got something different for you. <laughs> We've been cooking something up behind the scenes. I've been very much vague tweeting. I've been saying sometimes <laughs> life is cool. I've also said Monday's going to be awesome. Things like that. And everyone's just kind of liking it blindly going, oh, I'm supportive of Colin. But you had no idea that I made a brand new friend. And so did James. We created him out of parts. Oh, no, sorry, that wasn't. Never mind. No, that's 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 Wanda making vision. Um, Okay, no, maybe this is maybe I'm way too excited about this. Uh, But no, no, no. At the same time, I don't think I am Uh, because we watched all of Loki uh, episode four. Yep. And we were like, oh, my God, what an episode. And we were watching the credits and it was like written by Eric Martin. We were like, cool, cool, cool. So I started, you know, searching on Twitter. I was like, I wonder if I can find this guy. I do. I find his at, and I was like, at Mr. Eric Martin, Loki episode four, absolutely incredible. Like I, I, I'm blown away. But also, how dare you? He liked it, and I was like, oh shit! Like he was uh, almost immediate. So I was like, okay, hey, quick, since I have your attention, I feel kind of bad about asking a million questions on Twitter, but uh, just any chance you would want to come on the podcast? He was like, hey, yeah, you know, DM me. Hit me up. We'll talk about it. We'll, you know, if there, if we can find a time, then let's do it. What? What? <laughs> we made bonus content thinking this is the coolest thing we've done. And then like three hours later, we're sitting there talking to the writer of, of episode four of Loki. Yeah. Well, guess what, everyone? We've had the conversation now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've had the interview. You've we probably the seen the title. with Eric Martin. Wait. Yeah. We, we, he taught us a lot about things that I feel like I should have learned in sixth grade. No, we sat down with him today. You've probably already seen the title of this episode, so it's probably not really a surprise, but guess what? We're about to cut over to us interviewing Eric Martin, writer extraordinaire of Loki, season one, episode four. We are joined um, today by the writer of uh, season one, episode four, The Nexus Event, uh, Eric Martin. Um, greetings. How are you doing? Uh, great, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're very excited to have you. You are our, our first uh, interview of any kind, actually. It's just been yeah. Colin and I talking Marvel up until this point. So thank you for joining us. It's been oh, uh, happy to be here. Very exciting. So uh, you wrote um, episode four. And I had a couple questions about writing Loki as sort of a general process thing. Is there a is there like a writer's room, like on a sitcom sort of style? What is the what is the format of like? Does there like breaking story, and then Eric, you're going to do episode four, so then you go off and write episode four, or like, do they give you you need to reveal this, this, and this, and hint at this, this, and this? go ahead or what is the how much leeway do they give you or how much things do they give you to sort of break in in the in the episode that you are going to write well you know i know it varies from uh show to show i mean industry-wide but specifically at marvel um okay different place different people do it differently for the most part at least uh, with the early shows it was a traditional writer's room model Okay. Um, there was a, a head writer, Michael Waldron, 
and uh we started off with uh let me see it was plus michael six different writers about halfway through one of those writers left and okay. uh um we just broke all the stories together. It, it was all done through, you know, traditional writer's room conversations. Okay. Like we have an area we're going to focus on, we're going to look at, but like it was very blue sky in the early days. Yeah. And then as we start to like lay down some like story structure, we start to like really build up what we're doing. Then we get a little more granular and go and start going like episode to episode. And no matter right. what, you're always kind of bouncing back and forth between like the blue sky Sure. And real structure building. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, right. You, you know, the, and to that model, uh, the way that works, usually everything's talked about in the room. And then the writer that's assigned an episode will go off and they will write first an outline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be like a one sheet, like little treatment page or something, but usually like an outline, eight to 10 pages, kind of going over the stuff we've already kind of broken in the room, but really mm -hmm. fleshing it out putting it all into like one document so we can all like then read it and then right. come back and talk about it and say, okay, this thing's working. This thing's not working. Hey, this is a fun little thing you found here. Yeah. Um, it's really like to, to check the work we did in the room mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And from there, sometimes uh, people will do like a pass on that outline. Usually we kind of just put it back up in the room, look at all the, mm -hmm. the beats that we did. Uh, we didn't like and kind of like reform it. Uh, and it was a different process for every episode because sometimes sure. it worked really well. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes we got the uh, Marvel notes that were telling us like, Oh, Hey, like, yeah, this doesn't feel like the right direction. Right. Um, and then right. we have to yeah. really change things up. Yeah. But then, you know, once you get that outline uh, all spiffy and ready to go, then the writer uh, heads off and they do their draft kind of in the same way as the yeah. outline. Right. And then the process all starts again. <laughs> a, a quick follow-up on that so you know i i think probably every movie from marvel or even tv show uh has this even still to this day but like this show especially really introduces a lot of new characters that we have never seen before um and is that a matter of again like they are saying hey free reign to pull in these characters or is that also because i mean i feel like when you write like a, a sitcom which I feel like is kind of the thing we keep going back to. But I feel like, you know, if you write in a character who shows up to the school lunchroom, there's no real, like, repercussions kind of thing. But, like, if you want to bring in Alligator Loki, you know, kind of thing, right. like, all of a sudden, that's, you know, an animal-like, you know, thing right. that's, you know, being handled in. So I'm just sort of curious if there's any kind of steps for, like, writing with that. Because I know also people sometimes do hemp tracks for music and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I'm almost wondering if, like, with Marvel characters since there's such a huge roster, is there like temp characters or is it like, okay, if we can't get this character, then we change the scene. You know, I, I think it, it's kind of a case by case. There are situations where we'll want to like include a certain character. Mm -hmm. Either this is somebody that's existed in the comics or has been in the MCU. Um, but yeah, like character wise, there is free reign if you can earn it. If you have a great idea, uh, Marvel will always just get behind the best idea. Nice. And you can earn things that way. Uh, you can also like look and find interesting characters in the comics or people that have mm -hmm. shown up. 
And if you have a good idea for them, you can just claim that territory. And again, like yeah. if it's a good idea, it always yeah. it always comes down to like, does it work? Is this like a really interesting thing? And yeah. like they actually gave us a lot of creative freedom in oh, that regard. Awesome. That's awesome. Like uh, I also noticed that like um, Lady Sif and the haircut is like a a Norse myth thing already. So it's like it's yeah. cool that you can. I don't want to call Norse myths the you know proto Marvel comics, but like <laughs> you kind of can draw from even because these characters exist in other stories, you can almost like be like, oh, and here in the time loop, we can just have this little event where this happens. That's really really cool. Well, yeah, and I mean, I don't know Norse myths like those are kind of the comic books of the day. <laughs> like uh, our comic books are the mythology of today, right? That's so, true. Yeah. That's true. That's a good and point. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can uh, fold it into the story and make it an interesting thing, like nobody's going to get in your way oh, that's unless awesome. they're trying to use the same thing on a different project. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, like whoever does it best wins. <laughs> We're using Black Widow today and they're like, wait a minute, hold on. No, uh, you can't. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you uh, read a lot of comics when you were growing up? Not none, basically. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, you know, movies, TV, uh, comedy, like that was my thing growing up. Yeah. Comics just never really found me, and it's not that huh. I have anything against them. It's just sure. they just never really found me as a kid. And uh, so interesting. So, yeah, yeah, and like you know, Marvel's open to that. Like, just if you can do the work, it's about that yeah, rather right. than being like steep. Because uh, some people were uh, very knowledgeable of the comics. Right. Others not at all, and like yeah. that's where it kind of comes together as a, a cool, fun yeah. team. Yeah, fresh it seems eyes like you'd want too. a little bit of each. Yeah, What's I, was exactly. I was gonna say fresh eyes is what it. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah. So then, I'm. Did you have to do like, um, not that they were saying you need to do a specific amount, but I'm saying like for you personally, were you like, okay, I need to do some sort of deep diving, some background research on you know these specific characters, and you know like how much did you kind of go down the rabbit hole on that uh well i was already up on the movies i do big brothers <laughs> big sisters and my little matthew oh he awesome. is obsessed with the mcu so <laughs> awesome. we see all the movies together in the theater and everything so <laughs> when so this cool. came about i was like oh yeah no like i don't have to do research in that regard right um in terms of like the deeper dive comic and uh, mythology stuff like yeah absolutely like that's kind of the fun thing to do when you yeah. get into something like this like I think it, it's something it, the the really fun part is like opening up like the Marvel wiki and just going down a rabbit hole. Like yes, that's, you open I mean, up like one yeah. thing, like, okay, this character. All right. Now who's it, who else is it telling me to look at on there and just keep exactly. going down, keep going down. And like, there are some really just strange, bizarre characters, but like, there's been so much really like cool creative work that's been done throughout the decades. Yes. And like, as somebody that's like from outside of that, like to be able to like dig in and just find like little crumbs of this. And then you start to build a sandwich out of yeah. that. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I was taking notes on, on a, on a, on a future episode and I was in the Marvel wiki and I was like, okay, so this character was part of this group. All right. Who is that group? Well, there was this group that, what, that uh, worshiped this demon. Well, who's this demon? This demon was part of this group of whatever. What's that? Like yeah. I had like triple parentheses because it, and I mean, Colin and I sort of did immerse ourselves in the comics growing up and right. still just There's a, still just a drop in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. The amount <laughs> There's of so much. We've had to yeah. research something and I've been like, I, I know I even, it's even like things that I've read. I'm like, I know yeah. I read this and yet I still don't know the answer yeah. to who, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of lore there, um, both now 
through comics, through cartoons, yeah. TV shows um, that are like not canon or whatever, and uh, and now movies, obviously. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's so much to to dive into that, and I feel like that's half of our show is just us being like, okay, great, <laughs> yeah. now get ready for an info dump. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. Okay. I just want to compliment you on we. We were watching the episode together. We live in two different states, but we happen to be in the same state. And we're watching it together. And I paused it at one point. I was like, the lines that are being spoken in this episode are so lyrical. It, like the, the you know, another, uh, another folksy dope insult from the folksy dope. Like, I was like, there's so much cool stuff going on here. And then I watched it again just now. And I was like, all of the cool stuff that I was seeing is repeat repetition and like symmetry and like Mobius, Mobius, half his lines are the lines of the person that was talking to him. And I think that's so cool when you're talking about variance and like the same person, but different. He says something that they say, but it's like, it has a slightly different meaning. And it's just like, I love what you did with the script to, to have the kind of poetry of, of, of language also serves sort of the theme and, and, and plot of the story. That was so cool. So, Oh yeah. Thank, thank you. you. That was, it was good. <laughs> it was really thank good. You. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's part me, uh, part Michael. I think Michael had some of those lines and then mm. o- uh, Owen as well. Uh, right. Owen is a, a master of riffing on some of these things and <laughs> like, he'll take a uh, part of what you, uh, you wrote and he like, he'll kind of spin it into something that's, that that's how Owen talks, right? Because like, right. he speaks so specifically, and uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun doing that kind of like working back and forth with him on that. That's well, awesome. I have I have one more uh, big picture question. It's kind of a silly one, but then I can get I'm good to get into the episode itself. When he said how, I know that they said he's not going to say wow because that's a like a Owen Wilson meme. Did was that a riff? Was that Owen Wilson or was it? I mean, I know it's like you know she's dead. No how. It felt to me like almost like a someone was winking at me, and maybe it was just Colin from across the room. But like, <laughs> did you do that on purpose or no? <laughs> I guess is the, I, the big question. I, I definitely didn't do it on purpose. I, I think like <laughs> it's um, Owen again, like the way he speaks. Yes. It was just it was always going to sound that way, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Well, Colin, uh, do you have any other sort of bigger stuff, not, or do you want to kind of get into it? Bigger stuff. Um, I think. Yeah, I think it's it. Now's a good time to get into the, like the the meat of yeah. the, of the episode. Um, we we were talking uh, a little bit beforehand, just sort of about um, sort of scenes that were uh, like uh, of importance. I mean, the whole episode obviously is important because it's part of the the whole overall story. But there's like a kind of like a mini arc almost within the episode, which is like B-15's journey um, outside of, you know, what has what's happening with Loki, with Mobius, everyone else. Um, and so uh, in the, the first kind of like real like scene that we have here with B-15 is when they're in like that control room. I'm not sure if there's an actual name for that room, but where <laughs> they're all looking at like the giant screen at the sacred timeline and they're, you know, talking back and forth. Um, you know, B-15 asks the question about had he heard any th- news about C-20, which was kind of a very, to me at least, the first sort of moment of a different direction for the character. 
Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of B 15 is very much like, like the alpha dog in like every scene that they're in. They're like, I'm in charge of the mission. I'm in charge of this. Like, you know, everyone's like answering to me. I'm like the leading authority of this particular group. Um, and then in that scene is, you know, much softer, uh, to, for, for lack of a better term and is, you know, actually asking questions about other people in like a caring way. And so I'm, I'm sort of curious really just about like how that pathway starts and sort of like where you see like the timeline for B15 going, like starting from this moment, if that makes any sense. Well, I, I think her journey actually starts in episode two when she wakes up on the ground. She mm, wakes mm -hmm. up in a bit of a fright and you, you get a sense there of something Right. that I think it's only later on that you can really put into this context <laughs> right. and realize yes, like, oh, she wasn't just knocked out. There was something more. Yeah. Right. And like, that's kind of the beginning of that kind of dramatic shift. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, going in uh, to the beginning of four and that room is the chrono monitor. Uh, Got it. The Got chrono it. monitor room. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're looking up at the chrono monitor and like, yeah, we're starting to see those, uh, those shifts in B15. And, you know, I think the intent was that we're reading it as there's something going on with her, mm -hmm. but that we're as viewers, hopefully looking at that as like concern for like everything, not yeah, just right. herself, that she's right. not rattled by something like it shouldn't feel like there's necessarily a mystery there. Uh, to the degree that there actually is that like we're trying to hide the ball on it a little bit. So then when she goes into the interrogation room, well, we think she is just upset and she's just going to prune Sylvie. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, because you know, it's that there's again, sort of that, that's that sort of softer moment. And I noticed that the questioning sort of starts with C20, someone that B15 would sort of see as like one of her own, like, someone that she works with, someone that she's familiar with. Um, and then the next scene here would be talking to Mobius like out in the hallway. Uh, and now it's a discussion of, ooh, hey, uh, while you're here, has Loki said anything? Which right. is now kind of questioning a new, like adding a new layer of the questioning of- One circle out almost, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. then And then when she talks to Sylvie, it's the, it's like the last circle out where it's like right. someone that you almost got like disdain from about all of the variants. Of, I mean, I think that the, that the real and the climax of this episode in in twenty fifty when she's talking to Sylvie and she's like we're the same. Sylvie's like we're the same. I feel like that's like the symbol crash at the end of B 15s like journey over this episode because she's realizing that she's the same as someone who's in her same department. There, there, you know, she's seeing that. Her and Mobius, they have stuff. And her and Sylvie, who, like, I saw it sort of as, like, a she almost starts seeing them as people. Like, the variants as, like, not just a bug to be squashed, but, like, finding out that she herself is a variant, just like Sylvie is, I feel like sort of almost disarms her um, in a very sort of... It's a very cool progression to see over the course of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I, I think that that was exactly the intent that, like, she doesn't have that disdain anymore. She doesn't have, yeah. I don't even know if it was a disdain with B15. She was just like, 
she was enforcing the rules yeah, right. and yeah. not really thinking about it further than that. It's just, Oh, no, these people did the wrong thing. I listen to the timekeepers. They tell me what to do. Right. Like right. I'm doing, I'm doing this righteous thing and then finding out, Oh, I was lied to by those people. Like yeah. it's all different. Yeah. And I think going back just a little bit, uh, that scene with Mobius, that's also fertilized a little bit with the stuff that's been going on with Mobius and Renslayer and right, talking yeah. about C20. Yeah. And we're getting a whole different feel. And like, that's just adding to this mix. And at that point, I think we're all just like, what, like you just <laughs> feel the pressure building and like, where is yeah. this going? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost like unimportant to know exactly what this path is. You just know that the right. pressure cooker is getting hot. The pressure yeah. is building in that thing. And at some point, it's not going to be able to contain it anymore. Right. Yeah. The, 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 um, timbre and vault and like pitch of her voice is so cool. When they, she comes back out of like, Silver sort of giving her a tour of before life, her voice is so much, is so shaken. It's so, it's, I mean, I that gorgeously acted too, but like, yeah, I can see that, that she's sort of like, what is going on? Uh, Me is a fantastic actress and a yeah. uh, beautiful singer too. So like, I mean, oh, no. I, I think oh. she has uh, great control over her voice in general, <sighs> but uh, yeah, she, she does some, uh, some really beautiful stuff in this episode where, like you said, prior to this, she played such an authoritarian and so steadfast, like there's, <laughs> she's completely unwavering. There's yeah. no sense of like that kind of like emotional vulnerability but then you get in this and like, you just see a totally different side side of that. Right. And I think that's one of the, the fun things to do with drama is when you just change the reality of a character that is so very one Absolutely. way and you see them a different way and it makes it, it makes it really hard for you to not like empathize with them. You have to start feeling yeah. with like, Oh, right. okay, wait, like they're, they're different than I thought. And I think, I think, you know, people kind of like, like her even before this episode yeah, because <laughs> uh, she is yeah. so cool. She like carries so much authority, but um, she becomes so human in this. And like, that's yes. just such a testament to, uh, uh, to wound me, particularly the scene out in uh, the rain. Yes. That was a particularly cold and miserable night Ooh. and her and Sophia standing out there in the rain doing that. And like, I mean, they just nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's, it was, it, the, just like even not even the 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 line, just the 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 nonverbal communication between them was just like, whew, like just like palpably tense, but also tense and sort of like a, if you will just make this connection with me, things are gonna start to smooth out. Maybe, maybe they'll get a little bit more rocky, but it'll be better. The tension can be gone. I gotta confess, I thought that uh, B fifteen was the was the the variant mole. I was like, and then when she got like taken over, I was like, see, called it. And then she, then she someone else. I was like, uh, I didn't. Oh, I no. Okay, well, I guess not. Because like, she feels so. When you introduce someone that's so by the book, mm-hmm. one thing that I like to see is no, that's the one. That's the one that they shouldn't have trusted is the like rule, the big rule follower. And I was. It almost like it's actually interesting to think about what you're talking about, like, you know, um, g- taking someone that you think you know one thing about them and giving them a humanity and sort of changing them up because I feel like that's Loki. I mean, that's just like, yeah. I think what people like about Loki is like, I was explaining Loki to my dad and I was like, 
he's a villain, kinda, but he also fights with the good guys, but he betrays them, but sometimes it's okay, back and forth and back and forth. It, it gives a complexity to the good and evil thing, which I think is we're sort of seeing in a microcosm here in, with B-15 and, you know, with everyone. The good, you know, I have a right. feeling that we're going to find that uh, Ravana is maybe the opposite of that, perhaps. Like, um, actually, we saw, I don't need to beat around the bush. We saw that she is, right. She when she gives this little, that little, like, sadistic smile about, like, I don't remember, I was like, get out of that elevator. Get out of there. Stop it. Get out. Because it's like when you see someone take off their mask and they're the villain. It's in, in the best stuff. way possible, that made me so mad. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> how dare I mean, I mean like, it, that was part of the reason why of, like, how we kind of first got in contact with you was, like, that scene and then also, obviously, the last scene of, like, the right. full episode. Not the post-credit thing, but, like, the, the right. um that whole bit there. I was like, oh, this is so good, but how dare you? I was like, oh, you... <laughs> Ooh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's incredible. I don't remember line. That's that's my favorite from the episode. Yeah, um, oh. yeah. I, I love a good emotional gut punch, and yeah. that was something we had talked about. Like, well, what would they what would they actually like converse about in the elevator? And like, I think it was you know pretty obvious that like Sylvie would want to know. Well, what mm -hmm. was it? Right. And we had talked about all these different things, and it was just like, well, no, no, like. She's just like, she doesn't know. And like, whether she yeah. does or not is immaterial. Right. right. She, she, there's a certain relish that she takes in saying that she doesn't know because right. she's trying to like jab her a little bit. Right. 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 The, Colin kept guessing um, about when Loki was going to reveal that he was like, oh, yeah. He was own, he was Mobius or no, was like, he was B15. And the fact that it was the truth each time yeah. is so. Like it wasn't a trick. Well, it's it also wasn't. the thing that they they tell you like straight up from in the episode one like magic doesn't work. And I was like, but in my right. head I was like, but surely he's figured it out. Surely, <laughs> surely he's got magic because like, I'm I'm refusing to accept the truth that's being put in front of me. I was like, no, but but Eric wouldn't do that to us. I'm like, please no. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I I know we're kind of like getting closer towards the end of like the the episode's timeline. But I want to take a real quick step back because, um, you know, we, we had a few questions, obviously, about all of the different uh, scenes that, you know, happened. But yeah. the the 2050 scene, um, I know that you, like, were saying specifically, like, that you definitely wanted to to touch on that, uh, that scene. So, uh, you know, I'm just sort of curious, like, is there any sort of insight as far as, like, the writing of the scene or of the, uh, the creation of the scene? Because I know that you were a co-producer, right? If... If, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, co-producer and I wrote yeah. the episode. Um, so, you know, I know that you were like very obviously and intimately involved in like the the process of, of the making of it. So uh, is there anything that we like didn't touch on that you like are like, I'm dying to talk about this element of, of the yeah. scene? Well, you know, I, I think um, to kind of set it up, I, I think stepping back into where they are in the TVA first, mm -hmm when B-15 steps into the room, I think there's there's an interesting moment that we have with Sylvie there too. Because mm -hmm. Sylvie has so much armor on. She's very rarely telling you like what she actually thinks and how she actually feels. Everything is just sarcastic and biting. Yeah. 
And that's exactly how it starts when B-15 enters. And, you know, she gives this little sneering thing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You guys have oh, like a, you, you go by I a number, right? Yeah. Well, I can't see it from here. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, she's just such a brat. But yeah. when B-15 doesn't respond how she expects, well, that's where you start to see a little bit of a different emotion out of Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, you see on her face. And I, I think Sophia portrays it so well she had to let some of that armor down because she sees that, well, this woman is not responding in that way. Normally I can like, (laughs) I can get people upset with (laughs) me. I can get them fighting with me. That's what I do. But like, she's showing me a different emotion and like it put her on her heels. And so when, when they go through that time door and they step out there in the middle of that hurricane in front of rocks cart, they're both off kilter and they're both Mm -hmm. feeling this different emotion that like neither has really portrayed and they're both very vulnerable in that. And as B 15, like just tells her, you know, like they start to have this conversation. She's, she's still like, you can tell B 15 is not really believing what she's saying, but like when she Mm -hmm. like kind of questions as to whether or not it was real or anything. And I think what's so important is like, the nonverbal acting both of them do. And that was definitely a conversation that we had, particularly with B-15 about like, well, should we see what she sees? Should we make this a little more literal? And like, I mean, I was steadfast from the beginning, like, cause there's no way that we could actually dramatize something that's more interesting than what every person watching can fill in in their mind. Right. It doesn't even matter the specifics. It's it's all about emotion, right? Right. Like that's what we're doing. It's all about emotion. And so when we see her express this kind of emotion, this, this happiness, well, it's so powerful. Yeah. And oh man, that's what makes the scene there. And, yeah. and I think both women, their nonverbal acting is just so great that it's just all sold without these words that can yeah. become a real crutch yeah. for us as writers. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I love her. I love writing dialogue right. and everything, <laughs> but like to just let great actors do their thing and just make us all feel something yeah. That was so important in this scene. Unfortunately, we had two amazing actresses yeah. right there to do it. Yeah, I, I feel like it was also really uh, nice because part of Marvel and sort of superhero stuff is that a lot of the stuff that you see is very much like for the people, right? You know, we're here to protect the people. We're here to do this for the people. It's like very much giving yourself out to everyone. But mm. like one of the nice things about that to me was like this is I kind of feel like one of the first moments where in any Marvel property where there was a moment that got to kind of just be for the character and not for us as the viewer. So it was like really nice to see that scene. I mean, it is a, it's not even like terribly long, but like it's just long enough of a pause. Kind of like you were talking about, like, you know, I feel like a lot of other places would sort of fill that with dialogue or with like a scene, but like it's a kind of a, you know, just like it's just a slightly longer extended pause to let you view that whole moment. And there's just a, sea of emotions that happen Mm -hmm. in the course of like five ten seconds and you know to then come out of that with like the one of the i think one of the heaviest lines of like the whole thing yet of being like i look so happy yeah and it's like it's like oh i mean it's just again that uh, another moment that made me like how dare you do this there's so many people hurting yeah no it's it's I got big therapy notes, like therapy, like she connected with her and unlocked something that allowed her to feel feelings she had been keeping down or realize something that maybe she'd blocked off. 
I got big, like, you need to open yourself up to me and make a connection with me in a way that will help you. Like you were saying, Collins, like you need to save yourself right here. You're the, you're the one that needs to be rescued from, you need to do it and you need it done. Um, Yeah. I I like that too. Yeah. I think that's a nice observation because I think the show as a whole is kind of this dive into the uh the inner psyche right like mm. episode one is just like speed therapy yeah. like you can yeah. see your whole life yeah. you're just gonna be like hammered down with all of that like you're going to change <laughs> right yeah and like I the same like... thing happened with uh b15 in this scene like you yeah. know no, that's so true. that will change everything yeah and yeah. you know on on that same note like you know i was wondering if and I don't know, maybe I'm doing the thing like that English teachers do where they go and the curtain was red because of this, you know what I mean? But Colin like, doesn't like this, but I do like this. So. No, well, you know what I'm saying? I might, be doing that. I might be looking into something that's not like, purposeful or whatever. But, you know, the idea to... So, you know, earlier there's the question to Mobius of if you could go anywhere on the timeline, where would you go, right? Now you have a moment where you can get a piece of truth from Sylvie yourself. So mm. you could take Sylvie anywhere on the timeline that you want to. And yet they step through a doorway back to uh, an unending world, or I mean, uh, not an unending, sorry, to an ending world, to this you know huge catastrophe, uh, to the exact same spot also, to a certain extent where she was first, you know, touched mm. and changed. Nice. And, you know, I'm wondering yeah. is, was the sort of the, the idea to go back to the storm because it also represents like the storm within them, uh, is it because again, like it's the spot where it kind of first it first changed for B fifteen, or was it you know um, I don't know. I mean, like it could just be like, hey, we already know that we ha- like have some connection to this to this space, so let's go back to that space. How well, you know, I you. think <laughs> I'm so sorry, how, Colin. How dare you start that with maybe I'm wrong? That's I'm so mad I'm at you for I'm, starting look, that with I'm, preface. Look, I. I <laughs> I try very hard, but sometimes I just like, again, like sometimes I'm like, maybe it's this again, like with the magic, I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's the magic. Maybe it's not. I'm so mad at you that you just unlocked that for me. And you started with a, maybe I'm wrong. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, no. I, I, I think that's, I I think those are all like really nice observations because uh, like logically there there is a logical component of that, right. Uh, That it is, uh, this is the place where it happened. And like, this is, a place that she knows she can go onto the timeline because it mm-hmm. will be indetectable as well. Oh, right. True. I didn't think of that. Right. Somehow. It, yeah. And so like, there is that, but, but yes, like the storm, like when, when you're trying to dramatize something like this, that, that is, is like hugely impactful on an emotional level, but like, it's going to be a quiet scene. Yeah. How can you find a way to like have mm. that, that energy there on the screen yeah. and have it yeah. feel so dramatic because it is like rather than them being like in the quiet uh, store, it wouldn't feel quite right. But like you put them out in that storm and like, there's all this turmoil. Well, they're in the middle of all this turmoil internally. And like, it all just melds together like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. I hadn't thought about the, the, the sonic aspect of that. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, I'd like to ask a a much more superficial question. (laughs) All right. Um, the designations of the hunters is that a rank thing or like a company thing like is it like b15 outranks c20 by one 
and U20 is down there and I don't even know how he got to come along on the mission? Or is it B15 is the 15th member of B company and then C20, so forth and so on? Do you, if you do know <laughs> now, now, now someone may give a, a different answer to this, okay. but I, we have like talked about this and I'm not sure like if other people believe it's a different way, but yeah, it, essentially what you said, like B company. Yeah. Okay. And like the, and like, cause the TVA, I, I think sometimes we get a little small with how it's depicted, but like it's unending. Oh, it's it is huge. massive. Yeah. Right. It sure. is, yeah. you know, there are a trillion people working there. Right. <laughs> right. And so like, th- this is just like one section of many yeah. sections and it's yeah so a small like a little corner of the universe you know, yeah that's yeah yeah it's so frustrating to see all the rooms labeled and the elevator <laughs> levels and i'm like i want to go to there's all a system <laughs> here i'm sure of it but <laughs> it's so big that it can't i mean you got to designate like i was like time room 47 huh okay well 47 like it's like no no no. it's the 47 that's fine it's just a gigantic place and i think that actually those numbers and it's like seemingly random whatever is because it's so big and gives and i feel like that does give sort of a a a little opening to that um Mm -hmm. but i was just really curious about the 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 officer designations and that makes sense to me well and there is like a militaristic aspect of it all right Mm -hmm. when yeah and like kind of the bureaucratic aspect and like everyone is just kind of functioning in their role and it's yeah. less about personal expression than completing your role and doing your thing. And that's where Mobius doesn't quite fit in right. with other people. And right. that like, he's a bit of a rascal and he kind of goes <laughs> off and does his own thing. And like, you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of an Owen Wilson type. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was talking to my dad about, and I haven't read one of these things, but I was getting, I feel like that we've shifted in this, in this series from like Kafka's the trial where it's like, everything seems stacked and the rules are all there and oops, you're in the, you're in the crosshairs. And so you can't win. You're never going to win no matter what you say, sort of Loki finding himself in this place. And it sort of gradually made this metamorphosis Kafka joke. That's funny. Um, But into like a 1984 thing where it's like, Oh no, let's pull out a little bit. And the rules aren't as steady and they're not, it's not just one person versus un, you know unfaceless judicial system. It's like now we see that it's actually he was fighting against the wrong people, and now we see that there's something else there that he needs to be exploring. Um, I guess what do, did you have sort of a a dynamic like that in mind where it was like it needs to have this tone at the beginning through the end where it's going to end with sort of a different kind of like, it felt like the villain was, has changed since Mm -hmm. the beginning of the show. Is that an intentional thing or is that just something that I'm picking up? No, no, that's absolutely intentional. And so much of it is it's about information, right? And Mm. like when you have only a limited amount of information, you draw conclusions and you make sense of things based on that you yeah. get a little more information and now, well, the identity of that thing, like the complexion of it changes in your mind. Right. And right. then if you pull further back, you're getting even more information. And now like, it's still all those things you thought it was, yes. but now it's also these other things right. and it's different. And like something, a data point that seemed to point one way. Well, it doesn't totally point that way now because yeah. you realize it locks into somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think we, we spent so much time world building with this and like the, 
oh man, like at least the first two months of the writer's room was just world building, just talking about all of this stuff, the rules, what, yeah. what it was like, everything down to like all the technology and everything. And so we, we spent so much time doing that, that it's like baked into just the yeah. DNA of it all. Yeah. yeah. And so then we go and we tell more of the story and like, it's exactly that, that like, oh, it kind of, it weaves and changes and you start to feel something's a little bit different than it was at the beginning. And it's just you're an evolving understanding. It's kind of like right. science people, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, will will like exclaim like, well, you know, that's all going to change. And it's like, well, no, it's not going to change our understanding of this. Right. Change. <laughs> right, it's right, always right. been the yeah, same exactly. way. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Loki even mentions that like near the very end of the episode, when the sort of like the big reveal of, you know, the fact that the timekeepers or at least this particular iteration of the timekeepers isn't real. It's, you know, it's right. a facade. It's, you know, uh, it's a Chuck E. Cheese, you know, uh, animatronic party kind of thing. Uh, and uh, when he's like, it never ends, right? It's just like every time they think they've kind of got it figured out, you know, who's the enemy or who's the thing that we're actually up against or what's the way to fix it, that like the goalposts move further mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, one of my biggest questions about Loki and how he's like written in general, but like also specifically as we kind of come to now being the kind of the furthest point that we've had with Loki, sort of his journey as a whole, he is kind of this constant liar, you know, whether it's because he thinks it's funny sometimes, or sometimes <laughs> it's just like, I'm trying to save my own skin kind of thing. Um, after he spends like a, an inordinate amount of time that's, you know, cause again, there's no time in the TVA, like he said. Uh, so we still don't know how long he was in with Sif, right? So he's just been getting beat up, you know, yeah. uh, this whole time. Oof. And he comes out to have that, that conversation with Mobius. Um, and even though he's been semi broken, the second that it actually starts, he kind of kicks back in a way it's like when when b15 walks in you know sylvie puts the armor up you know loki kind of is like okay armor up um and just off the bat starts lying to mobius like oh what are you talking about no it was really my plan this is right i mean just kind of going off and i'm wondering is that again just because he doesn't like know any better it's just sort of his way is he scheming in that situation in order to like try to pull information from mobius secretly or is this just um i don't know like just again like his need to lie because he doesn't really feel like people trust him because very soon after he ends up calling mobius a friend which is a very different shift but he says that after the armor kind of comes down or comes off a little bit as some of it sort of breaks away so it's you know again it's just like people building up this wall and then having to sort of you know, tear it down a little bit to get to the meat of their character. Well, I mean, I, I think you have it exactly there that it is armor that like he's putting on because he's vulnerable there, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, all of that stuff, all the lying, uh, all the tr uh, trickster stuff that Loki does, that's all just to like cover up those uh, tender emotions that he has inside. He's very sensitive yeah. and everything is just to like try to protect that and like, he had let himself become friends with Mobius. Like he really did like him. And then suddenly kind of being pit against him, like now it's like, okay, right. well, 
I need, I need to, to be gruff and I need to not be nice to you. Right. And I need to question all of that because he's scared of being hurt. Right. And so some of that is conscious. Some of it's unconscious. He's regressing a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, he changed so much in episode one right. and he's regressing yeah. a little bit here where it's like, yeah. Cause like, this is all new to him. Like he's kind of been this like bad guy that did these things for selfish <laughs> right. reasons. And yeah, uh, now he's kind of like stepping back into that. Like, well, like he's trying that skin on again. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever quite comfortable doing yeah. that again. And like, it, it, it's a relief when he can, just come back to, okay, no, we're friends. I can trust you. Right. Cause he, he then very quickly, like when it, and I don't think that this is like a, when it serves him, like when it becomes apparent that like, okay, the lying isn't like now is the time to tell the truth. Cause once, once he gets to that point, he's very forthcoming. He's very like all the walls are down. He's like, okay, fine. Sorry. I like, yes, here's, here's everything. You know, he goes from being like, oh, haha, you know, I'm, this is snooty Loki. And like, I'm, you know, I'm this way. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, you are my friend. Please, right. please help. Uh, and it's a very, he kind of does the same thing with Thor too, which I think is interesting. But like, there's some of that characterization that this one never got to experience. I mean, he sees it in the memories that they show him, but, you know, he kind of timeline wise, he does regress, you know, further back. I feel like I'm a parrot, but like, I can't get over how, beautifully this episode was written because like it just i mean no thank you yeah i was like blown away by this one i was just thinking about um sylvie and b15 where b15 is like i give you nothing and Sylvie's like wait what hold on all right well okay hold on mobius doesn't do that mobius is basically loki's equal in terms of i know that you know that i think that like over and over and over again <laughs> except for we're on Mobius's turf. So Mobius is like, it doesn't matter. You lie to me or tell me the truth. And that helps me either way. It's such a cool juxtaposition of B-15 being like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to hit you or nothing. Whereas Mobius is like, we're, we're playing this. Cool. I will play this with you. And I am better. Actually, dang it, Eric. He says, I've been playing chess and you've been playing checkers. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on here. He does, in fact, say that. Yeah. I was just thinking, (sighs) as you were saying that, I was going to bring it up. You got there first. (sighs) Anyways, yes, very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys don't need me here. You guys are fine with that. No, but no, no, we do. (laughs) Because you are saying things that like we would have been like, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited about alligator Loki. So yeah, um, you've, you've got like, I mean, again, you have the insight, you know, you were mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. there at the inception of it kind of thing. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's really cool to hear the, the process of it too. For sure. For sure. And uh, actually real quick, I have one final question that I just kind of remembered out of nowhere. So I know that, um, uh, mm. and I was wondering, you know, you've done something for a kind of sci-fi ish portal, endearing not endearing what's the word i'm looking for a portal adventure kind of thing and like this is also that but also way more reigns i'm just curious if there's any kind of uh transferable skills it's it's not skills but you know what i'm saying like transferable knowledge or i i I don't know how to word that but i'm just you know curious how that um you know how that sort of like helped or maybe you were like i have to leave that part of my brain away because it's different here you know Mm. 
You know, it might be different for everybody. I find for me, everything helps everything, right? Like I started out as a comedy writer and moved more into drama. And I find that each makes the other better. Mm-hmm. The more I, sure. the more time I spend doing one just helps me with the other. So like when I sit down to, to write a comedy now, like it is, there's a greater dramatic depth to it. Mm. Right. And similarly, when I sit down to write a drama, like I can always pull out that uh, toolkit and right. get some great comedy in there yeah. in something that like maybe it wouldn't have been in there otherwise. Sure. Um, sure. And like, you know, I've written historical fiction novels and I find that like those, even those come into play constantly. And that's awesome. It's just, yeah. You know, I mean, just doing anything makes everything a little more interesting. So absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I had two questions that are again, pulling us back outside. Um, how stoked is, is, is little Matthew that you weren't like creating Marvel stuff now? Is he like, stoked or does he know or like what's the extent to his i mean like because you've had all these experiences with him going to see marvel movies he has to be absolutely thrilled oh he's he's so excited so excited like yeah we we were finally able to uh sit down over the weekend and uh watch the last two episodes and i didn't tell him that number four I was going to have my credit on it and everything. Yeah, he was, he was so excited. It, yeah, that's it, awesome. it's absolutely wonderful seeing it through his eyes, man. That's awesome. That's so cool. Can we invite you back at some point? This has been awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic. Cool. No, you guys are great. Uh, yeah. Happy to talk about more like when the uh, show wraps up and everything. Oh man. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, um no, no, no. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Did, is there any, I guess now is the point where we want to give you a chance to, uh, plug a Twitter, plug a other project, plug a charity or whatever you want to do. We want to give you a, a little voice to, uh, we want to give you a voice, normal sized voice to just say um, whatever you want to uh, get out there to people. Uh, okay. Well, first off, I would say um, anybody listening, especially any guys out there, you should sign up and become a mentor for youth through big brothers, big sisters Um, I'm saying this, uh, because it's been a totally selfish experience for me. It is (laughs) wonderful. I have a great time with it. It makes me feel so good. And you really can make a big difference in somebody's life. It's something Mm. that I went through as a kid and it definitely changed me for the better. And, uh, when I got a chance to do it with someone else, uh, I found that it's even more enriching on the other side and, they have a lot of trouble finding enough guys Mm. to do this. So please, if you have any interest, it is easy and it is so fulfilling. It will make you happy. Trust me. That's awesome. We're going to put a link for it in our show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, other than that, and also you guys should sign up, (laughs) uh, you know, there, uh, Matthew is just like a lot of other kids out there. Uh, You know, he's got some of these nerdy interests and like, Mm -hmm there are a lot of kids out there that would uh, love somebody that can like show them in the greater world of uh, nerdy culture out there (laughs) and uh, take them through stuff like, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Other than that, uh, yeah. Anybody can uh, hit me up with questions or anything on Twitter. Uh, should probably remember this. I think I'm at Mr. Eric Martin on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I think that's correct. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I I should, I should probably think about that a little bit more and like actually know. Okay. I I, I literally just read it like, you know, like about an hour ago. So yeah, I think that is correct. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this with us. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you, uh, talk to you later, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wonderful. James Colin. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank Thank you. you. So, 
there you have it. On record, Eric Martin saying that we are now friends. Eric, if you're listening to this, I understand that legally you didn't actually say that, but I'm going to pretend that now friend of the show means friend of the hosts. Right. Uh, it was truly like such an honor to sit Absolutely. down uh, with Eric. I mean, so insightful, both to the process of writing in general, yeah, but also for writing for Marvel. And then yep. again, next layer down, writing for Loki. Uh, and then also had a whole bunch of insight also on just life in general. And yep. I thought that was uh, really great. That's enough of that. Let's do some real quick socials. Yep. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can follow me at Colin M. Parker. You can also follow the show at Timeline Scav. You can follow the Scavengers Network at Scavengers Net. Uh, but James, where can people find you? People can find me um, at Unabashed James um, on Twitter. Com. Very good. On Twitter.com. Thank you <laughs> for your consideration. Don't go on dot .net. That is not me. That is a variant. <laughs> Different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the variant Twitter. Uh, and we are not allowed to use he it. He is not. Um, okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. Can I do something like kind of nerdy here? Because like yeah, the thing is that at the end of our episodes, we do like kind of like a sign-off thing. So I was wondering if like we could kind of... Ch- tweak it a little bit and if we could do like a for all time always like with the group here that i could okay. splice in at the end instead of like our usual little is uh, that cool with you yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah that's fun and then so maybe you do the for all time and we'll do the always maybe um but that's gonna do it for this episode of timeline scavengers i'm james and i'm colin i'm eric for all time always, always. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Podcube. 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 Podcasts from the past delivered to the future. With Podcube's pseudo-linear 4D adiabatic qubit streaming technology, you can listen to audio from any time or place, in space or time or place. Our very first Podcube was sent back in time to 1880 to Alabaster's haberdashery. And this is what the audio sounds like. I've got a bunch of water in my mouth. I haven't swallowed in years. I keep it warm. Well, yuck. And then also, why? I, I have a bit giggly. <laughs> yes, well, one would say quite giggly. And you said that you were a funeral director? Absence is not presence, Alabaster. Tell me what is present in the other one. This has gotten extremely heady, and I don't know why you're in my shop holding two glasses of warm, what you're farm. calling farm liquid. Yes, farm liquid. liquid. Now, it's yeah. not milk. Search PodCube, all one word, in your podcast app. Or visit PoweredByPodCube.com. PodCube. PodCube. The future is yesterday. Thank <laughs> you.